The NFL scouting combine is underway. Players are getting measured up. They are hitting the field, working out. Who amongst the defensive linemen could the 49ers be looking at in the NFL draft? Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at PD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every stinking day. Uh, we got Lee in the chat that says live. Yeah, live. It's live. It's for real live. It's not the it's not the premiere on today's episode of Locked On 49ers. Hello to Kevin in the chat. Thanks, everybody, for jumping in with us. We've got some underwear Olympics happening right now in the NFL. And after uh, a week of people being at the Combine, they're finally doing something, Croc. So this is this is fun. This is fun. We actually get to see people on the field. We get to see guys getting measured up. Um, I, I want to talk as well, Croc, today about uh, a report earlier in the week that came out from the NFLPA, and they polled players anonymously about different organizations and what they liked about different organizations and players graded organizations on facilities and training staffs and, and all kinds of stuff from, you know, basically a grade to F grade. And I'm actually surprised that they allowed the F grades to go out there. I thought it'd been one of those things where it's like a to C minus kind of a thing. We see that with draft prospects all the time. Uh, And like there's different teams that have different scouting scales, you know, but one that's very popular is similar to the one that, um, is used on NFL.com by Lance Erline. And I always thought it was super weird because there's like the best prospect in the entire draft gets a 7.0 or a 7.1. And then like a dude who's undraftable is like a (laughs) 5.9. The entire scale is between, you know, basically in the sixes from 6.0 to 6.9. It's, it's super strange. So it's like, you've got all these digits. Like how about a 10 and a one, you know, it gives it gives you a little bit more space to, to grade prospects. But, um, and so that's why a lot of people do it. And when, when we see this with draft grades, post draft too, croc, there's like, you know, Mel Kuyper come out of draft grades, the best team gets an a plus and the worst team gets a C, you know? And so, uh, I thought that's the way the NFL might do it, but no, they, uh, they came out and they actually gave some F's. They gave quite a few F's uh, teams like the Washington commanders did not come out of those grades. Well at all, the Arizona Cardinals were actually really bad here in the NFC West, but the 49ers, uh, they looked pretty good with their grades and they ended up being the seventh overall taking everything into consideration out of 32 teams. So not bad there for the 49ers. I was worried they were going to there. There was like, you know, the, the strength or the training staff or the medical staff was going to get dinged, but the training room is what actually got dinged. The worst grade the 49ers had was a C plus for their training room. And uh, what specifically about their training? Like, does it say, or like did the anonymous person say, Hey, this is what I don't like about the training room. I didn't read. I didn't see any anecdotes about why the training room for the 49ers was a C plus versus others. Um, but with all the injuries for the 49ers, I don't know, maybe I, I don't think it has something to do with that. The training staff gets an a minus. So there's maybe it's just a smaller room or something like that. There were some really interesting ones like the Seahawks. Pete Carroll doesn't allow his team to fly home first class. If they lose, if they win, the team gets first class. If they lose, the team's not in first class. So I don't know how that works with the plane. Is it like um, the coaching staff is, if they lose, the coaching and training staff is up front and then the players are in the back where there's not first class? Uh, I wonder how that works. 
Or is everybody just sit in the back? Hey, is there two different planes? They're like, which which plane are we going to take home? The first class plane or the not first class plane? Uh, See, I fly Southwest where everything is first class. So, well, there you go. <laughs> you're, you're, you're fancy, Croc. You got that thing. Where you no, the, no. I, the, the, there's no. My brother calls Southwest the bus in the sky because there's, there's just there's no first class. Yeah, but there's no. Yeah, there's no first class. So it's just the whole thing is first class. I like to look at it oh, that way. It's, it's Crocky class. So as far as the 49ers and their training, I've only been into a couple, uh, what, three different NFL training rooms. And I, maybe there's some that have like some super state-of-the-art that I haven't been there, right? Uh, let's say Minnesota Vikings, where now they're just... Croc froze on us. He's going to drop some, some training room knowledge. The Seahawks to... uh, oh, spirit leaping says, sorry, you were breaking up there, Croc. Hold on, I'm gonna change my uh, my Wi-Fi. Okay, you yeah. just go ahead. And I'll jump back in. I'll talk about some other grades here for the 49ers. Uh, from according to the players, and luckily for the 49ers, they didn't get crushed like some other teams did. So uh, treatment of families, 49ers got a B plus, which was actually the second lowest grade they got from anything. Everything was A's except for treatment of families was B plus. Uh, tr training room was C plus locker room was B plus. I think it's probably has to do with space with a lot of this, especially with locker room and, uh, and training room, uh, food service, a minus the weight room was an a minus for the 49ers strength coaches, an a training staff, a minus and team travel was an a minus. So all around, nothing amazing from the 49ers, uh, nothing really terrible at all from the 49ers organization. So they look pretty good by comparison when you're talking about free agents and why they would want to come to the 49ers and everything with the organization seems to be uh, in, in, a, in a really good class, seventh among 32 NFL. All right, Croc, you were about to drop some knowledge on us on, uh, on NFL training rooms and how that might be different. The, the second lowest grade the 49ers got was their locker room too. So I have a feeling it has to do with space. It could have something to do with space. And now there are differences in locker rooms. I've been to Philadelphia Eagles locker room and it looks like a high school locker room kind of. Jets, uh, their facilities just in general were really nice in comparison to what I've seen from like the New Orleans Saints. Like the Jets, the the locker room, the shoes, the showers, even the uh, you know, like where you eat, the cafeteria, they had like like I've been to the 49ers cafeteria when doing like media stuff, and there is no comparison when it comes to just the cafeterias. Like the, the Jets, it was just far better. In the sense of just the options, they have like these five-star chefs on the other side. You have so many different options, buffet style, or they make everything right there for you. And maybe the 49ers do some of those things, but I just remember walking in, wasn't as nice. Like I, I just was like, ah, Jets is way better than this. Uh, Jets locker room was really nice. And you see some like the Dallas Cowboys, like their locker room. You know, it's just there. There are differences in locker rooms. I think the 49ers, It's a little bit more. I've been. I've seen theirs as well. It's a little bit more straightforward. Nothing too crazy. Nothing fancy. Where some locker rooms might have, you know, better seating, um, cushier seats. Uh, the storage space is better. I remember the storage space at the Jets locker rooms were like amazing. The way even like some just have like a nameplate for locker rooms. Like it'd just be like nameplate. Like mine and. Um, uh, I should like upload it because I have a picture of it like right next to Darrell Revis. That was pretty cool. But it's like really lit up Crocker 41. Like, you know, it, and it's just, you know, something I think some teams just put a little bit more money and effort into the aesthetics of what it looked like.
And uh, the 49ers locker room gets an, an A. Wait, no, 49ers locker room got a B plus. And I've seen the 49ers locker room. It looks pretty awesome. I mean, uh, but compared to some others I've seen as well. By the way, Doggo dude in the chat says not enough equipment for all the players is what it said. So, oh, yeah. OK, that's tough. Oh, so. we do see. I see um, L LKV in the chat and he says, I saw the Oregon football facility on a uh, walkthrough and it was absolutely insane. College football. What Crazy. they're doing, you can't compare it to NFL because it is insane. Like what these kids, it looks like a nightclub or something. I don't know. Like their college football locker rooms, not even the NFL, they don't invest as much. The no, college, they have everything. I mean, they have, you go into like where you do like your contrasting, right? Like your hot tub, cold tub type stuff. And there's like waterfalls, LED lights, like college. They are, I'm jealous because I went to this small division two school. Like we didn't have any of that. And what these guys are doing now and how they're going about recruiting guys. Think about if you go to Alabama or LSU or Oregon or one of these schools, and then you get to the NFL and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know? it's nuts. They're the ones that's probably giving bad grades, the guys that went to these big D1 schools. Yeah, and they're like, what? My locker room was nicer in college than this. And you walk in, there's like a big old lounge right at the beginning with TVs and gaming and all this kind of stuff happening. It's like, whoa, this is 49ers crazy. have that little, like, just that one little basketball court that everybody dunks on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what we're looking for here with some of these draft prospects at the NFL Combine, which is going on right now, and what doesn't translate sometimes. And, and I think Peter Warwick is a really good example of some of those things and maybe some specific names from the Combine this year as well. Coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our very good friends at Built Bar. They take really good care of us, and their bars have taken really good care of me when I need a snack, and I'm looking for one that doesn't have a lot of fat and a lot of calories. And if that's what you're looking for in a snack that tastes delicious, then you got to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, and I mean real chocolate that tastes delicious. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, some of the newest flavors right now. And there's always limited flavors coming all the time at Built.com. There's cookie dough chunk puffs, grasshopper cookie, uh, caramel apple, banana cream pie, lemon dipped cheesecake puffs, maple donut puffs that I know Croc is super interested in and might have already put in an order for those. Whenever there's new flavors too, Croc and I are probably both the same. We're like, I wonder if they're going to send us a little box of that. Or do I, 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 I waited. I, they didn't get it. Come on. Come on. Come on. I waited for it. They didn't get it. So I had to put it in an order. There you go. But I could not pass up on the opportunity. And l listen, if you don't get Built Bars and you're, and you're interested in this new maple donut one, you have to get it now because they sell out quick. And that's what I was worried about. So I waited to see, would I get a box? I did not get it. So I went in and put in an order for two just in case. And what's so great about Built Bars? Well, the macros are a huge part of this. Only 130 calories. And I've been counting mine. Bars. And I know Croc's been counting his. Only four grams of sugar. So Croc can still hit the Built Bars hard. And a whopping 17 grams of protein in Built Bars. So it's a protein bar that it has these crazy flavors. And, and you're, I'm always blown away at how good they taste. You can find them at Built.com. You can also find them in your local store shelves as well, like Walmart and Sam's Club. Four-bar boxes in the pharmacy section at Walmart or 13-bar boxes of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro at your local Sam's Club. And then you can go in there and get some of those and thank us later or find all the flavors and varieties at Built.com.
I love that you brought up Peter Warwick, Croc, because when, it, when you're trying to translate a player from college to the NFL, we've talked a lot about, you know, quarterbacks in the past and Trey Lance going from one double A to the NFL. And maybe his team was, you know, so much better than his opponents and, and how that transition can be difficult for a player. And not only the speed of the game, but you, the guys on the other side are you're not better than the guys automatically on the other side and we've seen that a lot with alabama prospects it's one of the reasons why i'm like a little bit you know it's like all this bryce young stuff it's like oh he's the best prospect he's gonna go no teams are gonna teams are gonna spend three first round picks to trade up to get bryce young is everybody still like crazy high on mac jones or or did they say okay let's kind of settle down or are they saying that it's because of the office coordinator was matt patricia I, I, I think people are pretty down on Mac Jones. The report recently was that the, they might think about trading Mac Jones because they think Bailey Zappi's pretty much the same guy. He's just as good. And so there's been some connections with potentially Mac Jones getting traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. But we've seen it now with Mac Jones. We've seen it now with Tua going from Alabama when you're a powerhouse and you're better than most of the teams you play against. It's a little easier, right? You got time to throw. Uh, we've seen a lot of that with Ohio State quarterbacks, too. You got great receivers. You've, your team's better than the other team. Their defense is good, so you, they bring it back to you and you get the ball again. You got time in the pocket. And so um, there's a lot of reasons that sometimes things don't translate. And, and quarterbacks, there's probably even more reason why it's hard. Well, well, here's the thing when it comes to guys like Mac Jones, right? Because if you just evaluate him for like just him, Mac Jones, I remember even the, the year before when he had came in for an injured, I believe it was Tua, who yeah. had got hurt. Mac Jones did a lot of things at a very high level. And like just his ability to just understand where to go with the ball, his throwing, his timing, all of those things. I thought they were there. Uh, he was extremely tough. You watch him in that bowl game against Michigan. He is getting teed off on, but he's standing in there. He's making throws. I'm like, oh, Kyle's going to like this guy. I remember saying that like then. Now, the other part of that, though, that's hard to kind of quantify how important it is, is how much trust he has in the guys he's throwing to. So am I more apt to take, you know, oh, okay, this guy's about to hit me, but I'm going to throw it to this spot because I'm throwing it to Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs, and I know they're going to make the play as opposed to a guy like, let's say, Will Levis, who doesn't have those type of receivers. So he might throw the same thing with the same timing while getting hit, but not have the same type of guy be where he's supposed to be and make a play, right? And that's the part, too, that is hard to kind of understand, like, how does that translate to the NFL? And when you say it's kind of easier for a guy like Mac Jones, it's because of that as well. Well, throwing to four guys that were first-round picks and then another guy in John Mechie who was a second-round pick. Wow, even coming off of a torn ACL. And, and then now you got Bryce Young, and it's like, okay, Tua looks so easy for him in Alabama, and you know he had all this stuff, and, and Mac Jones looks so easy for him in Alabama, and it's like, well, yeah, and Bryce Young looks so easy for him. Look how smooth it is; he gets the ball out on time, and and it's like, I think at some point you got to start looking and be like, well, yeah, it's easier for everybody who plays at Alabama. Got <laughs> to be pretty obvious at this point, right? So it was easier for Jalen Hurts, and he didn't even know how to throw the ball when he was at Alabama, and then. On top of that, and we're seeing these guys that don't have like maybe physical gifts that would carry them versus some other prospects. And we saw Tua go ahead of Justin Herbert. And then you realize, okay, well, this is, you know, the tools do matter sometimes. And then you see Bryce Young, who is where he's going to weigh in this weekend. We'll find out exactly. People are like, oh, he might get to 200 as if it's a great thing. He's going to get to 200 pounds. Like, dude, still, that's, that's way smaller than any quarterback in the modern era especially to go number one overall. If he's 5'10 and a half and 199 pounds, you know, I mean, it's kind of, 
It's pretty wild. So and um, how he's built. He's built. He has a thinner frame than somebody like Kyler Murray, who was like five nine and a half or barely five ten, right. about two oh five or whatever he was two ten. But he's kind of built with a little, like a little bit of a thicker lower body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you you worry about longevity. Even if he is good, you hit on the player and he's good, but he's going to get folded in half on a regular basis in the NFL with how big these defensive linemen are that we're going to talk about in a second that we're seeing at the NFL Combine. Um, but Peter Warwick is the guy that you brought up, and that's another big one for me because he was one of the most obvious, uh, not not at the time, but in hindsight, where you look back and it's like, oh, this guy is like the best player in the draft. And you were talking about how he should have won the Heisman. And then you watch how his play style is, and then you go to the NFL – and he runs, you know, he's like a four or five guy. And it's like, well, now you're not faster than everybody anymore, Peter. And you can't run backwards when you return punts anymore in the NFL. In, in college, he's catch the punt, go this way, go this way, double back, go around, eventually find his way through and mosey on in and make some big play. And you just can't do that in the NFL. And so you have to, you have to think of play style, you know, your physicality. Can you win dirty, not just win pretty? And, and what a lot of times you see on the college level is guys that are so much more talented than the guys across from them. They can win pretty, but you need to win dirty in the NFL. You need to be able to catch the ball in traffic as a receiver. You got to be able to run through arm tackles and, as a running back and not dance and get downhill and get the easy yardage that are blocked for you. And um, as a uh, as a return man, right, you've got to be able to, to, to hit a seam and, and hit, hit a – a really small gap and just go for it or just take your you know four yard punt return or whatever it is and, and not go backwards so there's a there's a lot of things like that 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 come into play with projecting a prospect from college to the nfl and so i think a lot of times when you see the guys that just look really good against air and they look really good in one-on-ones and i think jerry judy was another one because he got me i was like oh, he's the best receiver in the draft you know he's got He's he takes slants to the house. He's got some pretty good top speed. Um, really good. I thought he played the fastest out of any receiver in that class. Yeah, it's like look at his feet. Look how he can get out of his breaks. But he's not good at the catch point. He's not good when there's bodies around, and it's it's dogged him in the NFL. And and that was on the scouting report. But you look so much at the oh that's that looks so pretty and so easy, and you didn't really think about the other stuff and how that would translate. Yeah, a lot of it is fit too. And you talk about uh, Peter Work. And if I'm not mistaken, when he got to Cincinnati, they had a receiver, Carl Pickens, I think, was the other guy. And Carl Pickens, George Pickens' father, Dad, yeah, was the receiver for Cincinnati Bengals. I want to say they kind of overlapped uh, somewhat. But I think I think Peter Ward would have fit good in a wide-open offense like you have now as a slot receiver. right? Like He would have been dynamic as a slot. But if you were, you know, backed in with Corey Dillon running the ball, power, I, you know, offense, and you need him to just consistently win on the outside, he was never going to be that guy. That's why uh, Chad Johnson came in, and all of a sudden, like, Chad Johnson would be the work. It was like, oh, man, Chad Johnson, this guy, the guy in the second round is great. Uh, fit is so big. That, that That's the one of the, I think, I don't want to say overlooked, but there are some guys that can kind of fit in the more universal offense or defense. Those guys are more rare as opposed to the guys that you need to kind of fit in. The, in the fit. They have a specific skill set. So we talked about Tariq Woolen, who was a great find, a great steal, athletic freak. But he went to a defense with a coach that understood exactly how to utilize him. Hey, we're going to put him in position to be successful by playing this style of defense, and we can hone in on this. And, and that's what they did. And you could say he go to the 49ers, and I talked about it with like Patrick Mahomes, right? But, uh, you know, you go to the 49ers and they try to use you a different way. And it's like, well, that, that doesn't quite work. Now, all of a sudden, it's a bust, 
right? All these players are bust. So that's a that's the tricky part too, especially when we're going to start evaluating these guys. I think 49ers met with Riley Moss, the cornerback out of Iowa, mm-hmm. right? I think he fits more of what the 49ers like to do. Play that off coverage, play that zone, be able to read with your eyes. He has good feet, right? Uh, those are some of the things I saw from him, especially even at the senior bowl week. Uh, you are going to need a guy that fits more of your scheme as opposed to just, oh, we can, just, we can make this guy fit. And more times than not, like, no, you can't. Uh, LKV brought up Henry Ruggs, and that's a good example, too, of a player that's like, you, you got to be able to win dirty. And, you know, John Ross running a 4-2-2, and Troy Williamson was like the number seven pick in the draft, you know, 15 years ago, never had much of a career. It took uh, Ted Ginn a while, and he his career was very different than it looked when he was at Ohio state and became more of a return man first. And then, uh, you know, so it's like just speed, just running away from guys. Like that's the thing that doesn't work in the NFL. You got to be able to win dirty. You got to have more than just speed and you're not going to be, you're not going to be running away from guys like you are. I think Reggie Bush was actually, I was actually way People were going crazy about Reggie Bush. I was like, I don't know, dude, he's 190 pounds. You don't get 205. You don't get to play Fresno state every week. Oh, okay. You are being disrespectful to Reggie Bush right now, Peacock. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that, Peacock. I think I was being exactly accurate about Reggie Bush. No, you weren't. You just said you're not playing uh, Fresno State every week. That that's that okay because he. I I get it. Worth the number one pick in the NFL draft, or he ended ended up going number two in the NFL draft. Like yes, he was worth the number two overall pick. He wasn't like Barry Sanders. He was he was a good NFL running back, but he wasn't like a generational dude. He is the best college football player I've ever seen. The college? That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about the transition to the NFL. Like, you can't, you you don't do what he did in college in the NFL and just be like, guess what? I'm at more athletic than you. See you later, everybody. You just don't do that in the NFL. I think he was very, I mean, remember, he, we talk about him, but he came in and broke the record for most receptions as a rookie in the NFL. He had 88 catches as a rookie. I, so I think like, he would have been better now than he was then. 100%. I think he was a little bit. He was so dynamic in college. I get it. But I think just based on his skill set, like kind of like that size, kind of a tweener. Remember, they went with Deuce McAllister yeah. as like the lead back. I think if you would have inserted him into now, he would have been like Alvin Kamara on steroids. Yeah, Alvin Kamara. Or Christian like- McCaffrey on steroids, right? Like, yeah. I see. gosh, that was very disrespectful of you, Peacock. Look, I'm just being, I'm just being real. If there's nothing else I do on this podcast, it's it's being real. Uh, next, let's talk about some names. Some of these players in the NFL draft, defensive linemen that hit the field at the scouting combine Thursday. Next. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out everything else the network has to offer. The brand new Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Damon Keith doing big things there. Love the new show. Uh, sad that Croc's not on it anymore, but uh, they are they're holding it down pretty well for us here at the Locked On Podcast Network on Locked On NFL Draft. And of course, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, myself and former NFL scout Matt Williamson covering the entire league every single day. Make sure you're subscribed up to the brand new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. Croc, uh, just right off the top of your head, you mentioned uh, that corner. Um, Riley, Riley Moss. Riley Moss. Who, who, who'd you, who would you throw out there as a comp for him? <laughs> this so it's hard. <laughs> Jason Seahorn. I don't know. It's hard because you know typically. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have to watch. I have to watch more on him. I'll okay. say that. I uh, uh, can't wait for the Croc scout report on Riley Moss and yeah. all the DBs who are going to be hitting the field uh, the next week. Actually, so next week we'll have a lot more combat yeah. because we'll have seen everybody over the weekend. And uh, I, I don't want to do this. 
right? Like I, and, and, and this, that's what comes to your head because yeah. you look like, okay, who is somebody that looked like him? Well, you're going to go to like another white guy. And that was Jason Seahorn back in the day. But no, I'm going to block out all the, you know, the skin color. And then the, what you, you know, um, it, it, all the stereotypes that they have for that type of player. Uh, you know, you, you want your daughter to date him. First guy in, last guy out. Hard worker, son of a coach. Like, you know, all those things. So I'm going to block all that out and just watch the film and see who he reminds me of. He was at the podium and he kept getting questions like, so uh, are, what, what position are teams talking about you playing? He's like, cornerback. He's like, <laughs> oh, you're going to play safety in the NFL, right? He's like, yeah, I'm cornerback. Then teams are telling me they're looking at me as a cornerback and 49 yeah. is one of those teams. So, Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a name for you amongst defensive linemen, Croc. This dude's a freak of nature. And um, he, he was a guy that I think would have been in the area and, and was on my list of players to watch and I hadn't watched him yet. And he showed up at the combine amongst defensive linemen and, and kind of went a little bit crazy. Uh, his name is Adebaware. That is his last name. His first name is is even more difficult to pronounce. Uh, Adetomiwa Adebaware is his name. Uh, he's a he's an edge slash interior guy from Northwestern. He goes. He's only six two, but he's two hundred and eighty pounds, hmm. and he's got long arms, almost thirty four inch long arms, big ten and a half inch hands, um, sort of that that prototype of what the 49ers like with a bigger end. They, they've liked taller ends, but yeah. you know, he's got length, even though he's not the tallest guy uh, with his long arms, which is good. So he could play on the edge, play in, you know, kind of move inside type of guy. He's a really interesting player. And I think Matt, Matt Barrows identified him as one of the players for the 49ers as well. Someone to look out for maybe that could be there in the third round range or within trade up range for the 49ers to go get in the draft. Um, and you know his, his he start his name starts with an A. So he was the first guy out there amongst the defensive linemen to run at the combine. Croc. This guy sprung out of his stance, uh, had a really good ten yard split, and then ran a four five. And I was like, "What? The wow! Heck? Wait, and, a four five at six two two eighty? And then when the and then he ran the next his second run four four nine. Ottawa Warre six two two eighty two. He's got thirty three and seven h inch inch arms." 10 and a half inch hands and his unofficial time. I haven't checked NFL.com. Let me double check. If they have an official time yet. I think the official results are in. It's four, four, nine for him. Four, four, nine, 40, that... one, six, one split 37 and a half inch vertical. One, six, one. And what, what, what was the vert? 37 and a half. That's explosive. That's a big guy getting off the ground. But I'm like, well, he's not going to get to pick 99 now, you know, so it's like, maybe almost kind of cross him off the list he might still get there um but apparently you know the production is there and the and the tape is there for this guy too although let's see um his grade prior to the combine from lance zerline nfl.com was more of a backup good backup with potential to be a starter so that's a mid-round guy you know that's round three round four type of a player so we'll see if he ends up going too high for the 49ers to have an opportunity but um even before he ran croc i thought he might have had that old school like neck roll underneath his t-shirt like you can now just his traps muscles traps shoulders he's 62 280 so he looks like uh like a ripped running back except for just bigger yeah he's not missing shoulder day I, i'll say this when when guys are kind of when they have kind of that built right it's essentially kind of this tweener because it's like well He's big, but he's kind of probably like built more like an, an edge rusher. But then he's he's not 
like heavy enough for like interior, you know, just you kind of look at all these things like, well, what do you do with them? And and the person that comes to mind a lot of times is Aaron Donald. And a lot of times the difference between Aaron Donald and a lot of other guys that get kind of lumped into that type of guy that's 6'1", 285 pounds or 6'2", 285 or whatever, they don't have the speed of Aaron Donald, right? Like they don't have, like when you watch Aaron Donald and he tested, like he tested well. This guy, I don't even want to butcher his name, but not only did he like, does he have like the, you know, 6'2", 288, long arms, big hands. Then he goes out there and runs in the four fours. That's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And and he has the he has even though he's not tall, he has enough length, I think, with the with the arm length and being six two, I think that's plenty to be someone you could play on the edge, but you know, with with the size and you know, some some explosive ability to be an interior rusher, especially with the way the 49ers like to use some some pretty small guys sometimes and rotate them through uh in pass rush situations on the interior. So interesting name. And I think he still could be in the third round conversation, but might have climbed a little bit too high if if teams really weigh what they saw at the combine or at least makes them go back and watch the film a little harder. And I don't know how oh, teams yeah. felt about him, but uh interesting name there. Uh you mentioned Aaron Donald though. I mean, it's almost unfair that Kalijah Kansi went to the University of Pitt. He's been compared to Aaron Donald his whole career. Super productive guy. Comes to the combine. He's built the same undersized defensive tackle. He's 6'1". He's 281 pounds. He only has 30 and 5 eighths inch arm length. So I think I think there's only been... 30? 30. He's got uh. under 31 inch arms, right? So that's why he's an interior guy. Um but I think I think I want to say it was um, I had the stat earlier and I forgot what it was. I think only eight. And now he's the ninth player to be at the combine to be a defensive lineman that has shorter than 31 inch arms. So six one two eighty one. But he ran a four six seven. Mm. He ran faster than Aaron Donald, actually. So he's I mean, he's, he's right there in the Aaron Donald zone of, of all of his measurables. Six one two eighty one productive went to the same college so on one hand it's unfair because he's going to be compared to aaron donald and he's not aaron donald but people are looking at him because he was so productive such a good player is maybe even a late round one guy uh, he worked out well so we'll see if that helps push him into the the late round one area probably not a guy that's going to get to the third round for the 49ers but at the same time aaron donald played so well i think it opened the door for some other unique body types and people give guy, more guys a chance now I think it's happened in a lot of positions, quarterback, interior defensive lineman. Uh, I think a lot of positions, even we're seeing like guys that are 155 pounds get drafted at wide receiver. You know, that was that used to be you're not on the draft board anymore if you're that small. So uh, some more unique body types hitting the NFL than ever before, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, and just explosive, right? Like guys are going to take the athlete and say what they could do with it. Now, now, here's the thing you can't do. You can't overdraft that guy you still have to go off of film right Aaron Donald destroyed everybody at the senior bowl like he destroyed everybody so uh he was kind of all over the place on boards I remember looking at his draft and I just kind of recently looked at it to kind of re refresh my memory but and I wasn't big into the draft in 2014 I was still playing football at this time and I think that's when he was drafted but you, you look at his scouting re uh, report and I mean, I think it was Zerline that said he was like a second or third round pick or third or fourth round pick, something crazy like yeah, that. Somebody, somebody had him at like a third round guy. And I think the the conversation coming, you know, before the senior bowl, especially is like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's amazing. He he wrecks people, but he's too small. So, you know, maybe he's a day two pick, something like that. So I, it was more of that than 
his film. But, it wasn't his film that made him a day two pick. It was just size. Yeah. It was size. Okay. Because yeah. you look at these guys and you and you wonder what would make them climb up. So if if they if they didn't look at their film and say, hey, this is a day one guy based off a of film, I don't think you change that evaluation based on them going and wrecking shop at the combine. I just think maybe when the day two opens up and you start, especially you get kind of that third round range, depending on where you had him, he's going to make maybe a guy that you trade up for in the third round, as opposed to, Hey, we'll just see if he gets here. Right? Like if, if one of these guys that freakish athletes, as, as you just said, if they get draft, if they were projected to go even early day three, fourth round. Right. But then you're like, uh, let's, let's trade up to the middle of the third. Give up a couple to get a, a guy that because of how he tested. Like I think that can happen, but I don't know if it if if you weren't as high on his film before the combine, and you thought he was more of that kind of day two day early day three guy. I don't think you change that part of it. Somebody will, and they're going to try to force him into something that he's not, and then in a couple of years he'll be on a new team. <laughs> You'd be like, oh yeah, he's actually not Aaron Donald. <laughs> right. Dang it. How about this dude, Nolan Smith, Georgia edge player? I and mean, he's really light. He's more of a um off ball linebacker slash edge player, maybe three four. He's probably not a fit for the 49ers, but this guy went crazy. Six two, two hundred and thirty-eight pounds. He was working out with the defensive end, the the edge group. Um, but he ran a four three eight forty. That's six two two thirty-eight. He had three sacks last year in eight games. He had a torn uh, something that ended his season, torn pec muscle that ended his season, but a 1.52 split, which is like a wide wow. receiver speed. I mean, he was wide receiver 40 time too, but yeah, 1.52 split um, for the 10 yards and then 4.39 40 yard dash, 41 and a half inch vertical. I mean, just tested ridiculously. Um, his tape's not there. He's not a great edge rusher. So, but a player that could be in that third round range, I just don't think stylistically it's, it's what the, the 49ers are necessarily looking for for their edge guys. Sounds like more of a three, four outside backer. Yeah. Or, you know, just, he, he just feels really tweener-ish. And he, he doesn't have the production of someone like um, Hassan Reddick, who had similar size where people, teams, you know, and they still played him at the wrong position when the, the Cardinals drafted him, but they realized how good he was drafted him in the first round, but he should have been an edge guy, even though he was undersized and they played him at off ball linebacker and it wasn't the best spot for him. But then there's been guys like uh, who's the LSU linebacker that went in the first round of the Jaguars a couple Chase on Ch Chase on yeah Caleb on Chase on yeah that's kind of what it reminds me of. I was like yeah he's not a great pass rusher but super athletic and he's kind of a tweener and he's not really good at both and so that's kind of the vibe I get from Nolan Smith but crazy workout numbers yeah now again knowing how to use a guy right in Arizona I don't know how they botched it with Hassan Reddick when you see what he did this past year maybe he just got better or maybe Philadelphia just had a better plan for him and that goes back to what I said a segment ago it's all about fit and understanding exactly how we're going to utilize this guy, right? And understanding like what he does well, and hopefully he does multiple things well. When I look at the 49ers and we're talking about fit, right? You look at Danny Gray, and I think Kyle's trying to figure out, hey, I drafted this guy. He doesn't, he doesn't know where he fits <laughs> with the team. And, you know, or with his offense and how Kyle wants to run his offense. He doesn't know how... Danny Gray fit, but Danny Gray could po possibly go to another team that's just like, hey, you know, we'll do this, and you'll have one more than one catch in the in the season, you know. Like, it was, so when you look at the, this this guy, 
out of Georgia, somebody's going to say, you know what? He does this very well. So we're going to utilize him like this way in this situation. And you would think that all coaches would understand that, but that's really not the case. There's a lot of pride into all this. And then they try to force somebody, oh, I could, I could get him to do this. And it's like, yeah, that's not what he does well. Uh, KJ Henry is a name that's popped up for the 49ers in mock drafts in that late third round area. Clemson edge guy, you know, big athletic player for Clemson. Uh, he ran four, six, three at uh, I'm trying to pull up what his height and weight was here. This website's taken forever. I think NFL.com is getting crushed right now. So yeah, six, four, 51, 33 inch arms, 10 inch hands. Um, KJ Henry ran a four, six, three, which is a, Pretty dang good time for a guy that's 250 pounds. So there's another name to look out for if you're looking for an edge guy in that late third-round area for the 49ers. And not super productive, but, you know, sort of more of a raw, athletic, long type of a, you know, if he was, you know, if he was super productive with those workout numbers and that height, weight, speed, we're probably talking about a late first-rounder instead of a late third-rounder. So, you know, when, when you're drafting a defensive lineman, offensive lineman in the third round, you're probably finding a guy who's either built funny, uh, maybe small school guy, those types of things for the reason that they fall into that point in the draft because everybody's right. looking for D lineman and offensive lineman. All right. Uh, here's I'm going to get a couple a couple more quick names here for you, Croc, and feel free in the chat to throw out some names of guys you liked that were at the combine. Siaka Ika is a is a, a been a fan favorite. He ran a five point three nine forty yard dash, which is not fast. That's because he's a nose tackle. He goes upwards of uh, 350 pounds. I'm trying to pull up what his. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about big man nose tackle. And this dude could do everything. Line up as a fullback. uh, Lined up on the offensive line, I think, at times at Baylor. He did a little bit of everything. So his official weigh-in was 6'3", 335 pounds. Siaka Ika from Salt Lake City, Utah is his hometown, but went to the university. That's a Oos? Is that a a Samoan? Yeah. Yeah. Or a Tungan? Oh, yeah. Those guys are heavy-handed, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big strong dudes. One eight eight ten yard split. Not he's not fast. He is not super quick, but he will eat up blocks for sure. Well, what did I say I wanted? You want three fifty. I, I want a guy that can't play more than three straight snaps. Right, <laughs> like I I want that guy that give me two plays and get out of there. Give me one play. Right, first down they try to run. I mean he's just clogging stuff up. And I know the 49ers, they like more of those penetrating defense alignment. But man, give me that guy that's just gonna not get shoved five yards out the way but on the double team right can he be stout can he anchor down and not move and kind of clock and the 49ers just don't have that guy there's a nose tackle out of michigan that i really like uh mozzie smith and he's just not going to be there for the 49ers unfortunately he's not going to get down to the late third round area i don't think but thanks everybody for jumping in on the live episode, always fun to finish the week this way. Appreciate everybody listening to us on Friday as well on the audio apps or whenever and wherever you're listening to us. Make sure you hit subscribe, tell a friend, hit the bell and the thumbs up and all those things. And make sure you're subscribed up to the new Locked On NFL Draft podcast and, of course, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And Croc and I will be back with you next week with a whole bunch of fresh workouts from the NFL Combine and and maybe some new stories as well to talk about right here on Lockdown 49ers.